Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I'm excited to share this message with you today. I pray the Lord ministers to you as you listen. Are you hungry to advance your prophetic calling and step into your unique prophetic destiny? It's time to break the silence, stand boldly in dark places, and resound the truth across the nations. Join us at the School of the Prophets, a transformative four-and-a-half-day intensive training school. You will gain understanding in your prophetic calling, refine your gifting, and grow in confidence to spearhead cultural change. Register for this year's School of the Prophets, August 7th through the 11th, in person or online at Bethel.com forward slash events. God bless. Before we go too far, I want to just uh, take you to Romans 13. Can you just turn to Romans 13? It's going to be kind of lay a foundation for um, interacting with government people and business people, government people primarily. Romans 13, verse 1, if you will. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and those who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. I wanted you to notice something um, in contrast. Romans uh, 13 here says that if you oppose government, you'll receive condemnation. Do you know this is the same book and the same author? in which Romans 8 says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you guys okay? We were so connected, now we feel so disconnected. I'm sorry if I'm offending you. Some of the things I'm gonna say today will definitely offend you, and what I ask you to do is like, allow yourself to, um, your mind to be offended, for your heart to be revealed, and for you to just consider that maybe you're wrong. And, And maybe I'm wrong but I think I am. Okay, verse three. Well, let me say this. If I thought I was wrong, I wouldn't stand up here and teach it. That would be a lack of integrity. Are you with me? It doesn't mean that I can't be wrong, but certainly I wouldn't teach it if I thought I was wrong. And these verses that I'm sharing with you today, these are verses that I see very differently in the last 10 years. And so um, I, think that, I think that even if you don't agree with my perspective, I think the perspective is valuable because this is, this is a big part of how do you relate to government officials? How do you actually interact with, um, with before kings? So um, let's go on. Um, Therefore, whoever resists authority, I'm in verse 2, uh, it has opposed the ordinances of God, and those who oppose will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God. Everybody say, a minister of God. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God. Everybody say, minister of God. An avenger who brings wrath on all who practice evil. (laughs) Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God. Everybody say servants of God. 
devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all who is due, listen to this, tax to whom taxes due, custom whom customs due, fear to whom fear is due, and honor to whom honors due. Now, what makes this a profound statement, what makes this chapter 13 profound is that Paul wrote it and that it happens to be in the book of Romans where we learn that there is no fear and love and that the fact is, is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I want you to notice, and this is, I think, really important as you interact with government leaders, is that government leaders are not the pastors of cities. I want you to notice that God, <laughs> okay, this, uh, this, if you can just take down your defenses and let, me, and let me talk to you, and then you can decide if you think I'm right or wrong. But when we think of political leaders, and we think, well, they're, they're pastors or they're, they're fathers of our city. They may be fathers and mothers of cities, so let me say this, but they're not pastors. And what I'm getting at is that God leads the world differently than he leads the church. He leads the church with a shepherd's rod, but he leads the world with a rod of iron. Oh, gosh. Uh, I think I have a verse here someplace. Yes, it's Revelation 12, 5. She gave birth to a son, a male child, and he is to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And by the way, if you go back and read that story, you know it's talking about Jesus. That Jesus rules the world with a rod of iron but he rules the church with a shepherd's rod. And if you'll notice that it says that civil leaders are servants of God. It doesn't mean they know the Lord, but they're servants of God. It doesn't say Christian civil leaders are servants of God. It says civil leaders are servants of God. Are you with me? And it says that if you, are, do, if you, if you have a good heart and if you want to do good, you shouldn't be afraid of them. But if you want to do evil, be afraid, for they have not given the rod of wrath for no reason, but for punishment. And then they says, if you do evil, you will be condemned. Okay. Oh, gosh. I know. Well, my, my point is, is that we're often trying to get somebody, vote someone in office who we think is going to be a pastor of a city. And I want to point out, that your civil leader is not the pastor of a city. There are civil leaders and pastors lead with love and with the shepherd's rod, but civil leaders sometimes use fear to get people to do what they need them to do. And God authorizes, if you won't operate by love, you will operate by fear. (laughs) This is very difficult because we have all kinds of verses like 1 John 4, but beloved... Um, perfect love casts out fear, I'm sorry, because fear involves punishment. Fear is not from God, for perfect love casts out fear. And then we have verses like this that say, hey, if you do evil, you should be afraid. And by the way, I put a rod of wrath in the hands of government so that if somebody does evil, that, that they, I have authorized them to use wrath against people. So uh, let me say this. There's two different standards that God has for you as a person and for government. So and, and from a personal standpoint, if you hit me on the right cheek, I'm supposed to give you my left. I'm supposed to love those who hate me, pray for those who persecute me. I'm supposed to be kind to people who are mean to me. This is my personal, this is my, 
my personal, noble commissioning to behave like Jesus. Government does not have that commission. So some people are like, they want their government to behave like Jesus has required us personally. They're like, I don't believe in war, although Jesus, although God's called the God of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the angel armies. We, we think that government shouldn't like respond in violence. And yet we're realizing that actually government's job is to keep the peace. God has given everyone free will. How many understand that God protects the right, your right to sin? Oh gosh. God put two trees in the garden. We already talked about this. He planted two trees in the garden. Yes, Lucifer convinced Adam and Eve to eat the second tree, but God planted the tree in the garden. Why? Because God loves free will. God actually protects the right of people to sin. Why? Because love requires free will. Are, are you with me? And what I'm getting at is that oftentimes we cut the second tree down and call it sanctification. God calls it control. I'm saying when we Christianize culture instead of kingdomize it, our idea is to take away everyone's ability to do anything wrong. And then we go, we have sanctified the world. And God only sanctifies from the inside out. Are you following me? So I'm saying we're, our idea is to make everything illegal and then punish people who do things that are illegal. And God's idea is, listen, you can sin, but if you're going to sin against somebody, then God's going to protect you from sinning against another person, right? So God goes, you can have free will, but if you use your free will against someone, then God goes, I've established government to keep you from using your free will against another person. Are, are you following me? So God goes, have free will. But if you want to kill someone else, I'm going to keep you from doing that. If you won't stop, if, you, if love won't keep you from doing harm to somebody, then fear will. And God goes, if I can't motivate you by love, I will motivate you by fear. But ultimately, God's motivating people by fear because he loves. Are you with me? Are, am I making sense? In other words, if my neighbor wants to kill me, I don't want the police to show up with a Bible. I want them to show up with a gun. And I want my neighbor to be more afraid of going to jail or being shot by the police than he is, than he is motivated to harm me. The goal is for them to carry a big stick. The goal of government is to, if you will, scare people who want to do harm to you into behaving. In other words, if they don't have self-control from the inside, God goes, I will control you from the outside. This is very difficult for Christians to get. And the people who do that have a very difficult job. They're called police officers and military and so on and so forth. And God goes, I call them servants of God. And they have a very dangerous job because they are trying to keep in check people who can't control themselves and who God is controlling from the outside in because they refuse to control themselves from the inside out. So if you won't control yourself from the inside out, God goes, I do have a ways and means committee. You're not going to like it. It's called the rod of iron. 
So sometimes we only know Jesus with the shepherd's rod, and we're like, Jesus would never do that. Jesus would never do that. I'm like, actually, Jesus will scare the hell out of you to keep you doing the right thing until you get the kingdom in you so you want to have the kingdom around you. Jesus goes, I will protect those around you and you from you and you from harming other people and regretting it later, and I will use whatever method possible to keep you from harming other people because I love all y'all. Are you following me? So you have to understand that when you elect a government official, you are not electing a pastor. (gasps) Christians, like, okay, anyway. Let's see if there's anything I haven't told you. When, when, uh, When Paul wrote that all authority is from God and that government leaders are from God, he wrote that in the days of Nero. So you're like, well, he didn't understand Hitler. How does that work? Well, he wrote it in the days of Nero. So he probably does know. I'm going to give you 10 quick things to remember about God's way of governing. God is in charge, but he's not in control. I think we've established that pretty well. Number two, free will is the nature of God's government. Number three, taking away people's ability to do evil is not the kingdom. Number four, God's government protects freedom of choice. Number five, God's government doesn't allow one person to harm another person. Number six, God protects the right of a person to sin. Number seven, righteousness always begins from the inside out. Number eight, laws, I'm going too fast because this is not what I want to do today. (laughs) Number eight, laws are practical applications of government's responsibility to protect its people from harm and keep the peace. Number nine, God leads his church differently than he leads the world. I know you can't write this fast. Number 10, God uses force on people who try to harm others. Okay, well, I know you didn't get all that, but I don't really care. Um, If you don't understand how government works and the responsibility of government is to keep the peace, you're not going to understand how to interact with government leaders because you're going to try to Christianize them instead of kingdomize them. If you become, let's say you become a city council person and you're a Christian and you're like, I voted you in and I got my Christian friends and we got you in. And we're like, if you treat Christians as a city council person differently than you treat Muslims and atheists, you have an unjust system of government and God doesn't actually favor that. I want you to think about what I just said. If you are in government and you favor Christians, like you choose your Christian friend you decide between your Christian friend or you give Christian businesses money, but you don't give Muslim businesses money. How many understand you have an unjust gain? Proverbs talks about what happens when kings have unjust gains. I know you have to think through that. People that don't like the idea of separation of church and state, I understand that, that feeling and I understand where we're going, but I also think that you need to think through that. Because I was very big opponent, like the church and state are not separate. 
And then someone asked me a question, do you want Buddhists to teach in your public school system? Do you want Satanists to teach in your public school system? So do, do you, how about this one? If you're evangelical and you don't believe in the charismatic gifts, do you want your charismatic friends to be teaching in the school, in the public school system? See how quiet it is in here? So you don't know the instant answer, right? So I mean, do you want, do you want church and state to be separated? Oh, I don't know if you, if you have the answer to that, but I think that if you understood the ramifications of your choices, you might have to think differently. Because what I want in the public school system, for example, is I want all religions to be, to, I want to make sure that religion and public school systems are separated so that the religion of humanism and the, and the LGBTQ agenda, which is a religion, cannot be taught in the school system. And I love that our government, at this point in our history, allows for Christian schools. I love the fact that they're like, hey, if you want to teach your Christian principles, you can start a Christian school, and we're good with that, and we will accredit that school, providing you do teach spelling and math and science and so on and so forth. And our government goes, you don't have to put your kids in a public school. You can put them in a Christian school. But I don't want the Christians, I don't want the public school to teach religious values because I don't know what religious values they'll choose. Probably won't be the ones you and I want at this point. Now, would I want there to be a separation between school and church at the foundation of our country? Probably not. At least I would think differently about it. But I'd propose that seasons and times change. The sons of Issachar knew what time it was, and they knew what Israel should do in the times. Are you following me? And so sometimes we're like really principled. People are like, and this is what I believe. And then you haven't thought through the ramifications of your argument. Are you with me? And so when you're, I, I have a friend who's a prophet in, uh, in, the, in the Southern California, and he's a prophet. And he has a great relationship with the governor. I'm sorry, not the governor, the mayor of two cities next to him. And he, um, and he was, uh, we were having this conversation and he was telling me, yeah, I just prophesied to our, that our, to our uh, mayor that he is, uh, that he's to bring Christianity to our city. And he was going through this whole thing. And I'm like, your mayor is going to bring Christianity to your city. He's like, yeah, I want him to evangelize. I told him he's going to be an evangelist to our city. I'm like, that's great on a personal level, but that is not his responsibility as a government leader. His responsibility as a government leader is to bring peace to people and to govern well. His private life, he may hopefully leads everybody in the city to Christ. But when you commission somebody, when you put pressure on political people to do sacred things in a secular space, that's a lot of pressure. And when you start measuring the... Um, when, I'm, I know how tense it is in here. At least I feel tense. When you start measuring the success of your mayor 
by how many people he led to Christ. Or I'm like, ah, I'm just trying to point out, like, that's not his job. Like, like the, the, the church's job is to bring Christianity to culture. So if I can say that the church has one responsibility to culture and the, and the government has a different responsibility to culture. So we want to see, we, as the church, we want to see everybody know Jesus. That's our responsibility. Like, that's the responsibility of all of us who are priests, which is everybody, like, right? We actually received Jesus Christ, became a royal priesthood. And our job is to lead people to Christ, teach people the ways of the kingdom. And I'm pointing out that government people, that's not their, that's not their public responsibility, their public responsibility is to keep peace. And if they're over here favoring all the Christians and let's say, you know, making sure that, that, that Christians in, the, in this neighborhood get, you know, better roads and they get, they get a better water system and they get better fire departments. And these people over here who are Muslims or these people who are atheists or these people who are whatever, the people that they don't agree with, they don't get great services. How I many you know that's not great leadership? Remember, Jesus, the, Jesus said, my father makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so my, as, as a politician, my job is to make sure it rains. It's a metaphor on the righteous and the unrighteous. My job is to teach, to teach, no, my job is to treat everyone with justice and equality, no matter what they believe. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.